Welcome back to the Thermo Diet Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Miller, and today I have on the podcast Mr. Robert Walker. So Robert Walker is the VP of Growth here at Mimzu and a health and fitness expert in his own right, specializing in body weight training, mobility, flexibility, and all-around athleticism. We talk about a whole range of topics in this podcast from the fascial tissue, the fiber system, how to stretch, what is stretching, the importance of stretching, and so much more. There's a phenomenal amount of value in this episode, and I can't wait for you to listen to it. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Thermodat Podcast. I am here with Robert Walker. How are you doing today, Robert? I'm good, Jaden. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, so Rob is kind of an expert in the field of mobility, flexibility, um, and all-around athleticism. So can you kind of tell us how you got started into that realm? Yeah, sure. So I grew up doing, uh, I was a three-sport athlete growing up. Um, I played baseball and I ran track and field and I played football. I played some basketball too and some golf. Sports were always a big uh, piece of my life Um, and especially with running. So I was forced to make the choice uh, between all of those uh, when I entered high school because you had to stay focused, you know, to get to college athletics. Um, so I ended up choosing choosing running over everything else, which um, definitely piqued my interest in flexibility, training, and mobility. Um, because, you know, the better range of motion you have, the longer your stride, uh, quicker your turnover. So I was doing anything I could to, you know, get faster. Um, and, you know, the mobility and flexibility training that I learned in high school um, definitely sped me up. Uh, got to the point where I was uh, nationally ranked in the two mile um, as a sophomore in high school. So I ran a 936 as a sophomore and uh, that kind of brought me to, you know, like a little, little bit of pseudo, pseudo fame amongst sophomores uh, there. And then what, you know, what really actually got me um, super into flexibility and mobility training was I had a I tore my hamstring at nationals and cross country early my junior year and it kind of, you know, ruined my career. Right. I was talking to a lot of colleges about going, um, and then they all stopped talking to me after that. (laughs) So I was like, damn, this is really, really important to take focus on because, you know, I could, I could have been better about my mobility and flexibility training. And I think that could have, um, reduced my risk of injury and my, the severity of that injury. So, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but uh, after that, I started paying a lot of attention to um, both flexibility and mobility, started doing a lot of body weight training instead of uh, conventional lifting, um, which, you know, you know that I'm a <laughs> big proponent of body weight training now. Um, so that, that kind of, uh, that, that kept my, piqued my interest and kept my focus throughout uh, the entire, I mean, my entire life since then. So it was really... Uh, you know, I was kind of half uh, paying attention to it when I was running. And then after I got hurt, I started really paying attention to it because I realized just how important it would have been for me. Heck yeah, definitely. So can you kind of explain for the audience the importance of mobility and flexibility training? Like, why is it something that we should focus on? Yeah, sure. So let's take a look at, you know, fitness endeavors as a whole first. Um, So you know, if you look around your gym, you know, what areas of fitness are people most likely to be working on, right? Like there's a section for cardiovascular training. You'll see the treadmills and the ellipticals and all that. And then there's another section just for, um, you know, benches, dumbbells for actual resistance and strength training. And, you know, maybe shoved off in the corner somewhere is some, you know, a rod or, or a, a dowel and then some resistance bands to help with stretching, right? It's kind of like this afterthought. But really, there's like a big three of fitness, and it's cardiovascular training, strength training, and flexibility training. And historically, as you can see in your gyms, like the latter is the least popular. Um, and this is super evident when you look at gyms, right? Uh, and then, you know, with the, with the boom of the internet, right, uh, it's gotten worse. So cardiovascular training and strength training, they're both kind of, I'll say like sexier than the other ones. So they sell 
they sell programs, right? Like if you tell somebody they're gonna lose weight or you tell someone they're gonna turn into a superhero by doing strength training, uh, you know, that sells courses. So with the rise of the digital age, people have driven those two down people's throats and, you know, being able to touch your toes isn't exactly something that people like the, the majority of people tend to think of as a goal, right? They don't buy a program for that. So flexibility training is really kind of fallen by the wayside. I think um, that's my opinion, at least with the rise of the digital age here and the selling of, of fitness programs. So, but it's really, it's really just as important as the other three. Um, I think flexibility training is something that we all know is good, right? We all know that we should be flexible people um, and being stiff just doesn't feel right, right? But because we're like so uninformed about the true benefits of flexibility training, uh, you know, this form of exercise tends to come off as tedious, right? Because it, it, you know, people think, you know, I'm not gonna, I have like one hour in a day, right? Like what am I gonna, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna lift weights? Probably. Am I going to run, you know, five miles? Maybe for some people, right? But never, never people are going to say like, I'm going to take this hour and I'm going to stretch with it, right? Um, but, you know, it, it really is important. Uh, and it's because the, the, those big three, that big three of fitness, they're not separate, right? Like each one influences and accentuates the other. Uh, flexibility training, like as I, as I touched on with the running, it enhances your cardiovascular fitness. Like, if you're a runner, you know, your stride is going to be longer, even marginally, and that's going to be huge for you. If you're a runner, um, your turnover is going to be faster if you're flexible, right? And then on top of that, just being flexible, and I'll touch on this later, um, being flexible uh, even enhances your ability to breathe, right? Because we have muscles that, that run over our lungs and our heart. And if those are really tight, it restricts the internal processes of your breathing and heartbeat, which is crazy, right? But people don't think about that. Um, and, and just being more flexible then will in turn help your cardiovascular fitness. And then on the strength and power side, right? Like um, a lot of people ignore form, right? But I, since I'm a bodyweight athlete, like form is everything, right? Form first, always perfect form. Um, and form is inherently tied to flexibility, right? And um, form is also, you know, it will help you progress in strength, right? If you're doing a, let's say you're doing a shoulder press, right? Um, most people suffer from lower back pain when they do a shoulder press. That's because their form is wrong, right? And that's the most common lift to have incorrect form on because most people have closed shoulders as opposed to open shoulders. Open shoulders would be, um, you know, in gymnastics defined by like, if you reach your arms over your head, are you able to create a straight line from your uh, tip of your fingers all the way down to your heels, right? Most people can't do that. Like if you're listening to this, like stand up and try it. Like 90, 99% of people do not have open shoulders. It takes a lot of work to do. But if you can get there, right? Like your, um, your progression on your shoulder press is gonna get way better because when you're lifting with closed shoulders on the shoulder press, you're putting a lot of weight on your lower back and your upper chest, right? So you're building up those two um, those two areas of your body more than your shoulders, right? You're missing your target group entirely. And in that way, like, you know, opening up your flexibility and mobility is going to help you progress in all of your lifts um, much, much faster. Like putting in that time is going to reap rewards all the way down the line because you're actually going to be able to hit the target group that you're trying to work on. Um, so that's, you know, that's how they like influence each other. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, there are a ton of benefits of flexibility, right? Um, and, you know, to get people kind of excited about listening to this podcast and excited about doing mobility training, I can just list a few, right? Like, um, if you are more flexible and mobile, and that's kind of like a defining feature, right? It's like being strong or being fast, right? You are a more flexible person. Um, you will be, you will have less stiffness in your life. Um, you'll have a reduced risk of injury. You'll, your body posture and body symmetry will be better. So if you suffer from, um, you know, distorted sizes of muscles, right, which a lot of people do, right, like a left bicep is smaller than a right bicep if you're right-handed typically, a lot of that has to do with how, you know, how flexible and mobile you are because it's, it has to do with how, uh, like, full your range of motion is on the lifts you're doing, right? 
So it'll help you uh, in, uh, improve your body symmetry. Uh, it'll actually help you be more relaxed, which is also wild, right? And I'll touch on kind of why that is um, probably at some point in this podcast. Uh, lower stress uh, and tension in your body. Stress and emotions, they build up in your body parts, which is also just a crazy concept. And by opening those up, your body, like the information is flowing through your body better from your brain to your muscles, and you can actually lower your stress. Um, increasing your flexibility and mobility helps with pain relief. Um, a lot of people suffer from chronic pain. Um, basically, everybody does, right? And um, opening up your muscles and your joints and your fascia will um, help improve that pain relief. Um, as I touched on earlier, it'll help with your cardiovascular and your strength training um, and just like ease of daily life. And if you participate in sports, it will increase your athletic performance. It'll improve the efficiency of all of your movements that you do. Uh, again, reduce the severity of your injuries. It'll also, and this is kind of up for debate, uh, decrease your delayed onset muscle soreness, the DOMS. <laughs> and then uh, your recovery will be much faster, which is super important, right? Like, um, as we touched on in the Umzu Fit Muscle Building Program, muscles grow when they're recovering. You're breaking them down, you're training. They're growing when you're recovering. And if you can improve that recovery, which you will if you are a more flexible and mobile person, you'll get stronger. You'll build more muscle. Um, so, you know, to sum it all up, like, there's three components of fitness, right? It's cardiovascular, strength training, and flexibility training. Like, each one is intertwined. They all influence one another. And increasing, it, it's kind of like, the, it's, it's part of, of viewing fitness holistically, right? We're all trying to get healthier. That's what we're trying to do in fitness. And in order to do that, you have to attack all three of those areas, in my opinion, equally, in order to give, create a healthy and balanced body and lifestyle. Definitely. I completely agree. So, like, whenever you are doing mobility and flexibility training, what are you actually stretching and like, how does it actually work? Yeah. So you're doing a couple things, right? Uh, <laughs> so you're, you're, so when you, when you, uh, when you work flexibility, you're um, stretching your, your muscle. You're also, when you work mobility, you are, um, you're, you know, working on the openness of your joints. That's the key difference there. And you're also working on your fascia, um, which is kind of this like weird topic that people don't really understand. Fascia is uh, the connective tissue made mostly of collagen um, in your, that, that kind of connects everything. It's not just in between your, your joints and your muscles. That's, that's kind of where it lives, but it runs through your whole body, right? And fascia contains a lot of things, right? Like it surrounds your organs it surrounds your, it contains your blood vessels, your circulatory system, and your nervous system, right? They all run through your fascial system. And when you stretch and you work on your flexibility and mobility, that means you're not, and this is a key point to understand, you're not just um, increasing, you know, the, your ability to touch your toes or your ability to run faster or whatever. You're also improving your, uh, the function of your internal organs the rate of your blood flow, the health of your circulatory system, and your your nervous system, which is crazy, right? Like, if you stretch, you know, if the theory goes, right, if you, if you increase the health of your fascia, you should be able to communicate from your brain to your muscles better, which is, is awesome, right? You should also be able to, you know, think better, uh, which is also a wild concept for people. Um, your fascia is everywhere. It's in your head. It's in your scalp. And if you, you know, work on that, your body is going to be able to communicate with your brain much, much better. Um, and that's going to have a lot of benefits everywhere in your body, hormones, uh, blood flow, everything, everything's tied with fascia. So stretching and mobility does impact everything when you do it the right way, right? When you're not just like, let me stretch my hamstring today. You have to take it more of a holistic, a holistic route to stretching full body. Everything's connected. You have to stretch your muscles and the opposing muscle muscles and the interweaving fascia, right? Which is, it's one reason why massages feel so damn good, right? Like they're, they're really working in that fascia and opening it up and releasing it. Um, that has, it, it, it's, it's part of why massages decrease stress, right? Like that's, everybody accepts that that is a fact, right? And this is why. Um, it's because they're working your fascia, they're opening it up. 
and are making your the nervous system, the circulatory system, all open better and flow better for you know a brief period of time if you just get one massage. But if you work this continuously, right, you stretch every day or five times a week or something like that, then you know that can be a feeling that you feel all the time, um, which is huge, right? Like you have to take this seriously. And it's back to, you know, it's, it's just as important as the other two big three of fitness um, in that light, right? Like it's going to change your life if you actually commit to this and take it seriously. Definitely. So we have the fascial system and then we also have the fibrous system. Can you kind of explain what that is? Yeah. So the fiber system is made up of fascial, right? So that's, those are kind of like um, equitable, uh, so the fiber system refers to the network of fascia that's running through your entire body. Right. And to, I wanted to touch on this, um, to kind of depict the importance of this system. Right. Um, I talked about the big three of fitness. I want to talk about the big three holistic networks as I, as I call them. So, um, this is a, a thought experiment that was, you know, beautifully, beautifully brought forward that, uh, if anybody, whoever's listening to this and they're interested in, um, you know, fascia, flexibility training, whatever, what have you. Um, definitely recommend reading the book Anatomy Trains by Thomas Myers. Um, this book is about as thorough as it gets in terms of the, um, you know, the composition of the body and why uh, fascia and working the fiber system is so important. And in that book, he depicts it um, in the following way. So back in, uh, he brings up this kind of painting or drawing by um, a man named Vesalius in 1548, right? And what Vesalius was trying to do was he was trying to determine what makes a human a human, right? So the thought experiment goes, like if I could strip the body to nothing, right? And then build it back, uh, what creates the shape of the body, really, right? It's not the bones, it's not the skeletal system, which everybody kind of runs to initially because, you know, if you look at the skeletal system, you're missing a lot of stuff, right? You're missing the face. You're missing, you know, a lot of the bodily structure. You just have bones, right? Um, it's not the skin as a lot of people think, right? Like it's, if you, if you just have the skin, it'd just be like kind of like a, a sack of nothing, right? <laughs> you can't, you can't isolate those things, right? But what Vesalius did in it, and you can look up this drawing online. It's uh, it's actually beautiful, right? Like he defined three, systems that actually make up the shape of like who you are and the first one's the nervous system right so the nervous system is uh you know if, if we were to extract only the nervous system we would learn a, a great deal about the human body right if you think about it we'd have the brain which is obviously one of the most important things the spinal cord the vertebrae uh, we would see the shape of every single organ right we'd see the heart the digestive system all kind of outlined. Um, we'd see the hands and the feet, uh, especially those would be very visible, right? The, uh, there's a ton of nerve endings in your hands and your feet. I, I found this out <laughs> the hard way, right? Like in high school, I lost the tip of my finger um, and it was by far the most painful <laughs> experience of my entire life like after that because you, you miss those nerve endings um, and there's so many in your fingers and your toes that your body just completely freaks out. And that's kind of why you have that like ghost feeling. And that's real. People think that's a myth, like the ghost limb, you know? Uh, but I kid you not, like when I lost this tip of my finger, I could like run my finger right here and I could like hit something. And it wasn't even there, but my brain would like think that something was there. It was the most wild thing ever. But that just kind of depicts how many nerve endings are in your fingers and toes. Um, and if, you know, if your nerve, if your nervous system isn't healthy and functioning properly, like there's no part of your body that wouldn't feel, um, that's, that's what makes you feel things, right? So that's one major holistic network that kind of will show the shape of the body. The second one is the circulatory system, right? If you were to extract everything from the body, except for the vascular system, um, you would still be able to see a full representation of the body, your blood flowing everywhere. You'd again, see the heart, the brain, the arteries, the veins, the lungs, and you kind of see this whole picture of what the body looks like, right? You'd miss like facial expressions that you get from the skin, but the body itself would have its complete shape. And the third one is the fiber system, right? So the, um, if you were to remove everything but 
um, the fiber system, which is like the fibrillar elements and then all your connective tissue, you would again be able to see the entire body. Um, it's made up, you know, mostly of collagen, um, elastin and reticulin. Um, so, I mean, this is another, just as a side, like, uh, this is why you tend to become more mobile and have more pain as you age because your collagen content in your body begins to decline, which means it's like really important to supplement with collagen or eat a lot of collagen to replace that. And when your um, collagen decreases, your fibrous system starts to deteriorate and that makes you less mobile, less energetic, um, and even hurts your ability to think and hurts your ability to breathe when you start to decline in collagen. And that is why collagen makes up almost your entire body. It's one of the main, it's the main component of one of the main holistic networks of the body. So, you know, if you were to remove everything but the fiber system, you would still be able to see all the things I said before, right? You'd see the outline of the entire body. And what's amazing about these three things is that they're, and this is kind of just this amazing conclusion that Myers makes in, in Anatomy Trains is that, you know, Vesalius got, got they brought the idea forward but what myers concludes is that all these three things like they're when they brought together they all intertwine which is which is really important to understand um these three holistic networks are uh the nerve the nerves and the blood vessels all kind of merge inside of the fascial system so they're all very connected and the health of one determines the health of another right so you have to look at all three components of those holistically again um, to, you know, reach that point of optimal health. And then the other thing that's just really, really cool is that they all are movement based, right? So they all transmit different information, right? The nervous system transmits, um, you know, information from your brain to the rest of your body, right? And, and makes everything feel and work. The circulatory system takes, you know, food, nutrients and moves it throughout the whole body. It's all movement based and fascia is the same way. It's not just this thing that's sitting there like a bone. It transmits movement information throughout your body. It's all moving and connected with your brain. Um, you know, and that's like a, a radical oversimplification of, of the body, um, that thought experiment. But I think it really, it, it really um, wholly shows that like if your goal is to do more in health, right? You're not just trying to look good or, you know, bench more, right? Like if your goal is to really feel good and reach like an optimal point of health, then those three systems should be of paramount importance for you. Maintaining the health of the nervous system, the circulatory system, and the fascial system. Definitely. I completely agree. Um, yeah. So it kind of goes back to where whenever you were talking about the ghost limbs, it makes me think about the relationship that our consciousness has with our physiology a lot of people think that the seat of consciousness is in the brain or the heart, but I think that it's in the totality of the being. Yeah. And I think it's even within the, you know, they have um, studies that show like a certain amount of energetic frequency that we emit uh, from the body itself. I think that it's even found within that. And so by losing it, losing that, you still have that kind of conscious part of that limb still there to a certain degree yeah and the you might have heard the kind of uh you know up and coming uh school of thought where like emotions are stored in different like areas of the body mm -hmm. and what they're referring to is like there, there's you store like i think uh, one of the things like pain emotional pain is stored in your feet um and that just makes so much sense to me like whether you buy into that or not um, because fascia stores information and that's like, pretty proven, right? Um, that's not some like pseudoscience. Fascia does store information, whether that's emotion or not, there's information there. And there's so many nerve endings um, and fascial components in your feet. And it makes sense to me that that would be the case, right? And uh, to kind of investigate that, I actually, I don't know if you guys have heard of Reiki at all, but it's kind of like that. I watched that, uh, you know, Goop episode with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and I was just instantly intrigued. Like, how is this man, um, you know, influencing people with just his hands, right? Like, where, how is he doing this? And uh, I started looking into it. I actually, like, took the test to get, like, Reiki certified or whatever just to kind of go through the whole 
process of learning everything possible. Um, and you know, I've never like practiced it on anybody, but I thought the information was wildly intriguing and like having an understanding of fascia and like a kind of a, a low level, uh, understanding of chiropractic, uh, chiropractic practice, um, you know, it made sense to me. It doesn't seem as wild as people think it is because fashion does store information, right? I think it's just like a wildly cool concept that I think we'll learn a lot about in our lifetimes. Um, and I'm excited to hear more about it. Definitely. I think another interesting thing to point out is that the energetically demanding part of the muscle is relaxation. That's actually what uses up the energy. And so whenever we are stiff, we have a deficiency of the flow of energy throughout the body. So whenever you see like rigor mortis, whenever we stiffen up, whenever we die, that's because we run out of energy production, which leads to the stiffening up of the body. So if you don't have enough flexibility and mobility, um, then you're not going to have very good energy flow throughout the system. Yes, that is 100% true, right? Energy is one of those pieces of information that passes through the fascial system. And it's why one of the big benefits of being a more flexible person, I'm not saying you're going to get this by stretching for one day, but like being a more flexible, mobile person, you will be a more energetic person, right? Like you won't have as much, you know, like midday fatigue, right? Because your energy is able to, it's, it's efficient, right? Like imagine you're trying to run through like an, like an obstacle course on survivor, right? Versus just running, right? That's kind of a, a good way to depict how that works, right? So if you're stiff and you're not mobile and your fascia is kind of all grouped together and, and you know, intertwined and blocking itself, then you're running through that obstacle course, right? Your energy is running through that obstacle course. But, you know, if you're open and your energy flows very efficiently, right? Like your, the efficiency of your energy is going to get lost if you have tight and wound fascia, but it's going to work the way it should if you are mobile and flexible, right? You're going to be more energetic. Definitely. Um, so what are some of the different components of the fiber system? Yeah, sure. Um, so there are, uh, and this is, this is, um, this is theory. Um, this is also, uh, something that was brought forward by, um, Thomas Myers. I'm not going to take credit for any of this. This is, um, this is something that he discusses pretty heavily in this book and he defines seven myofascial meridians that went through the body, which, you know, I read this book and I practiced this, um, this idea you know, I made my own mobility routines based off of these seven myofascial meridians. And I've got to tell you, like, I think he's really, really onto something with this one. Um, and I can, I guess I can kind of explain, um, so people understand a little better before I kind of wrap it all together, but there, yeah, there are seven, um, myofascial meridians in the body. And the first one, um, which is probably the easiest to understand is the superficial, uh, back line, right? So, um, that one runs all the way from your toes to your scalp, which this is just, it's endlessly cool thing, right? So, um, fascia exists everywhere, right? Including on the top of your scalp. Um, and that's, uh, actually the scalp is the end point for most of these lines. All of these seven lines either end at your scalp or in the back of your occiput right here. So that's why you feel just insanely good when you get a scalp massage and really, really good when you, um, massage the back of your neck. Um, and you can feel that energy release throughout your entire body. And it's because almost all of these seven lines connect in one of those two spots. Right. So the, the superficial back line, um, starts kind of right around your plantar fascia. Right. And it runs all the way up, uh, from your like toes to heel. That's, that's your plantar fascia kind of area there. Then it runs all the way from your heel to your back, the back of your knee. Then it runs from your uh, knee to your hip, then your hip all the way up the back of your spine to your occiput, and then your occiput all the way to the front of your scalp, right? It's all connected. And I think the best way to kind of explain this is that like touching your toes exercise um, that I discussed before, right? So um, if you 
you know, stand up right now and try to touch your toes with your knees locked. Um, you will feel the pull. If you pay attention to it, you'll feel the pull all the way through that line, right? You'll feel it in your feet. You'll feel it run up your calf, hamstrings, back. It's not just a hamstring stretch. It's a superficial backline stretch, right? It's going to impact your whole body. Then as soon as you bend your knees, you break the line, right? So if you bend your knees, you're not going to feel it anymore in your lower part, um, in your calves, in your plantar fascia. Um, and that's important to know that like, it's all connected from toes to head. So if you break the line by, you know, relaxing your knees, you're going to stretch more of your hamstrings, but you're going to lose the impact on that entire line. Right. And another way to show how they're all connected is like, you know, stand up and do that, that exercise, right? Like try to touch your toes and your knees straight, right? Gauge how far you can reach. Then take a tennis ball or a golf ball or something and massage out your plantar fascia on the bottom of your feet for a minute on each foot. Then do the exercise again. You'll be able to reach like three inches farther just by opening up that one piece of the line. So that kind of shows that they're all connected for the back line. Then there's the superficial front line as well. So that one runs uh, just kind of in tandem with the superficial back line all the way from your toes up the front of your body to your head. And then it kind of reaches back to the back of your octopus, right? That's a completely separate line, right? Um, it's just as important, just as long as the back line. Um, and it's, it's, it's in, it's very connected to the, the, they're very connected to each other. So something that's important for anybody who's trying to prevent injury is, um, you have to stretch both, uh, the muscle that you're targeting and the opposing muscle, right? So if you only stretch, let's say your hamstring without stretching your quad, um, you're opening yourself up to the potential for injury there um, because the more mobile one of those gets, the more it's going to pull on the ladder and you open yourself up for injury there. And it's the same with weightlifting and running, right? Like I'll use running as an example because I did actually do this exact one. Um, I tore my hamstring and it's probably one of the most common uh, injuries in running. And it's because runners get extremely strong quads and extremely mobile quads. And when you do that and you don't stretch your hamstring and build up the strength of your hamstrings, um, you're, you have a really strong muscle pulling on a weak and brittle muscle and you tear your hamstring. Right. And that's a result. Like my coach back in high school didn't want us to lift weights. Right. Because he was like, Oh, if you, cause we were long distance runners. Like if you lift weights, you're going to gain weight. And then, he made us <laughs> to depict it. He made us run around the track with a five pound bag of sugar in our hands to show like how um, much it sucks to carry extra weight. And I just think that's so wrong, right? Like if you're in the gym, you're building up, you know, relative strength, you're building up strength in general, right? Like that weight is good weight, right? Like I get it for fat, um, but not for strength, right? If you're a runner and you're listening to this, um, definitely <laughs> go to the gym strengthen your hamstrings or you're going to um, open yourself up for injury because your quads are going to be really strong. Um, but that's to say like, this is like a holistic thing, right? Like if you stretch your back line, you need to stretch your front line as well and work on that. Then you have the lateral lines, which run up the sides of your body from the sides of your heels all the way up to the top. Right. I don't want to you know, bore people with the exact details of what that is, but um, they actually, you know, they, they determine kind of any of your like size, Side to side movements, right? And how mobile you are there. Um, like oblique stretches is, or oblique movements is a good way to depict, you know, a piece of the lateral lines. Then you got a spiral line. A lot of people have trouble with the IT bands too. I know people who have just snapped their IT bands. So that's, a, yeah. that's another one. Yeah, that's another one there. Um, and then you got the spiral line, which kind of runs up as a double helix, like through your body. Um, that one is, is uh, runs like the back of your leg. And then the posterior spine and kind of crosses as it comes up to the back of your occiput. Um, that determines kind of a lot of the uh, twisting movements that you do. So if you're um, if you're very immobile in your twisting movements, like the spiral line is kind of where you want to look first. Um, then you have the arm lines. There are actually four separate arm lines. The arms are insanely complicated, um, and you have four, four separate arm lines that run like 
I'm not going to go through all of them, but the, uh, you know, some run from your pinky up the bottom uh, inside of your arm, some run from your thumb up the other side, and then uh, several of them go through and then over your pectoral, so over your heart, and then over your lungs, right? So they cross across your body here. And that's important to note because if you have trouble breathing, if you have trouble with an irregular heartbeat or anything like that, it could very well be due to um, your arms being immobile, which is the most wild thing to think about, right? Because so you can stretch your arms, open up the, um, the uh, arm line there, and you'll actually be able to breathe better, which is just such a cool, a cool concept and shows like really well how it's all connected. Um, and then you have uh, these kind of weird lines, the next two, the, the final two, the, the functional lines um, is one of the final two. And, and those, uh, there's a back functional line and a front functional line. And those pretty much determine um, your athletic activity, right? Like the weird movements, like throwing a javelin or something like that, right? Um, that kind of employ several of the lines at once. There's actually fascia that help you employ multiple lines at once and you you will want to work on those functional lines and if you do athletic activities um you actually will work those inherently but you should take note that you are working those inherently right because you need balance in the body and something that i struggle with personally is i used to pitch in baseball and anyone who pitches or plays baseball probably struggles from this you really work that your dominant hand functional line right? And it leaves the other side of your body kind of lagging. Like my left shoulder is less mobile still to this day than my right shoulder. Um, and it's because, you know, you're working one functional line just over and over and over again, and not the other. So I'm now like all the time I'm working this, like this side of my body, the left side, trying to kind of make, create balance in my body. And then the last one is the deep front line, which is, you know, arguably the most important um, cause it, it helps connect all of the lines, right? So it runs up the core of your body and kind of brings it all together. Um, it's much harder to work that one because it's not like, you know, stretch your hamstring or anything like that, which is a little easier, but, um, I'll spare you guys the details, but the deep front line is, is very, very, you know, crucial to work in your body. And if you are interested in, in, in learning any more practice behind, um, working these lines, I highly recommend, you know, you can, you can look at anatomy trains by Thomas Myers, or you can just look up how to stretch the mild fascial meridians because, um, this concept has gained a lot, a good amount of popularity since anatomy trains was released. And there's, there's plenty of resources out there um, that talk about stretching these. And then when I do eventually release that Umzu fit mobility program, which should come out in uh, January or so, um, I will be, uh, structuring that routine completely around uh, working all seven of the myofascial meridians um, all together um, so that, you know, you can make sure you're putting your best foot forward on, on uh, stretching for like a, in a science backed way, right? Not just like stretching to stretch. It's important to have balance and it's important to work all seven. And that's what I'm trying to tackle with that program. So hopefully that gets some people excited about it. Yeah, January 2021, Mobility Program by Rob Walker. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how is flexibility restricted in those cases? So how, why do we actually become rigid and not able to, you know, have full range of motion and have flexibility? Yeah, so flexibility and mobility can be restricted by a lot of things. Some of it is out of our control um bones uh ligaments ten muscle size tendons skin that can all affect your range of motion right those are something like we can't change our bones um to a certain degree right um so that 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 some of it's genetic um you can still get past that stuff but in terms of like initial capacity like that is that is something to consider um, gender also does uh, affect flexibility and mobility. Age, obviously, um, like as I touched on before, collagen decline definitely impacts your range of motion. Um, temperature uh, also impacts it, and um, clothing as well can, is another impactor. Uh, so make sure you're as naked as possible when you're stretching. 
Um, but yeah, most of these issues have to do with uh, the amount of collagen in your system. Um, so it's highly recommended that if you are really interested in um, improving your flexibility and mobility, that you take uh, two things into account. There's one is collagen content. If you're really serious about it, eat more foods with collagen in it, supplement with collagen. It's vitally important to your flexibility and mobility and then inflammation as well. Um, so inflammation has a lot of benefits and pitfalls, right? But inflammation does impact your uh, ability to be flexible. So um, if you are interested in, in, in pursuing this route in fitness, make sure you're uh, taking the necessary uh, steps to keep your um, inflammation low in the body. Yeah, I would, I would take it as far as to say that any kind of inflammation that is outside of an adaptive response, yeah. especially chronic inflammation, so if it happens over a long period of time, it's going to be um, antagonistic to the state of health that we want to be in. Um, I would also add to that um, hydration from an electrolyte perspective, making sure yeah. that we have plenty of calcium, potassium, magnesium, and sodium in the system. So um, we have plenty of extracellular fluid, keeping the fascial system hydrated and stuff like that as well. Yeah, it also helps with, um, you know, when you eat salts, right? You consume salts, it helps with communication of, of all those systems, right? The nervous system and the fascial system. Um, so more salt means, you know, more communication throughout the body. And that's going to help you open up your, uh, your muscles and range of motion as well. Definitely. Um, so how does one stretch properly? And then can you kind of go into like the best times to stretch and stuff like that as well? Yeah, sure. So, um, I'll start with the, how does one stretch properly question? Um, you know, there are, there's some confusion about, uh, whether or not certain stretches are good or bad. Um, I'm personally not of the belief that there's a bad stretch itself. Um, there are a lot of studies out there. Uh, this is where I'll touch on this because some people listening to this podcast might have heard that uh, there's some studies coming out that stretching is dangerous and bad for you um, and that it can actually decrease athletic performance. Um, all these studies and like the abstracts and, uh, around these studies and the articles that are pointing these studies are um, radically generalizing stretching. Um, most of these studies, if not all of them, we're done on ballistic stretching, which is a kind of a high risk, more dangerous type of stretching where you, uh, instead of, you know, holding movements for like smooth, long periods of time, you're actually bouncing, um, which is a common method used in uh, physical therapy when you're rehabbing from injuries, um, to get the, uh, your response, your muscle response up by, uh, bouncing. It shouldn't be, in my opinion, it shouldn't be used uh, much at all for people who are not rehabilitating. Um, so take all of those articles and claims with a grain of salt. Most of them are about ballistic stretching. But stretches in general, I don't think are bad or good, really. I mean, it, as long as you, uh, as long as it's done safely and correctly and with proper form, like it's going to benefit your body. I don't think there's like, you know, it, there's no dichotomy there with stretches. Um, and I think a better question to ask yourself is, like, is the stretch appropriate for the specific requirements of, of my situation? Um, am I recovering from injury? If so, then you do certain stretches or, or you don't, right? If you're healthy, then you can do most anything. Um, that's, that's kind of the first step is really, like, assess your ability to stretch. Um, if you're, you should never feel pain. Um, when you're stretching, which is important. People take the no pain, no gain concept way too far in fitness, and it doesn't apply here. Um, stretching to the point of pain is about 50% further than the stretching to the point of tension, which is what I recommend, right? If you just stretch to the point where you're just feeling a little bit of tension, you relax and let gravity do the work. That's how I typically stretch, right? Is don't reach too much, right? Like, you sit and you, I mean, if you're doing a seated forward fold, people tend to, you know, take uh, assisted bands and pull the shit out of their feet, like trying to get to the point where they're doing it. And they, they search for the pain um, in order to feel like they're getting something done. But that's really not how you should do it. Um, 
you're, when your body is stressed, it's stressed. It's not relaxed, right? Like it's going to fight back against what you're doing. And, and that's not how you let your muscles open up. Um, you should do it, take it slow. It's, it's not as quick of a process as let's say fat loss or muscle building, opening up your flexibility mobility is a long-term process and you should be patient about it and let your body open up. Right. Um, and I'll touch on breathing in a second cause that's really, really important. But the next thing, like you should warm up prior to stretching. People view stretching as a warm up, and it is not <laughs> like you actually do have a risk of injury while you are, um, while you are stretching. It is a workout in itself. That's an important thing to drive home. Um, you should warm up before you stretch and you can do that, uh, just by increasing your overall body temperature. That, that's what I'm talking about. Like physically actually warming up, um, and preparing your mind and body for, um, for stretching. Right. So I recommend to people that they warm up with like 10 minutes of aerobic exercise to get that body temperature up, get the heart rate to a certain point, I mean, even five minutes works, right? Five to 10 and then relax, breathe. Um, make sure you are ready to do this slowly and calmly. I tend to meditate while I'm stretching. I find it's like nice way to combine time together. And that really helps me relax uh, into the movements and then see more benefit in using that time. Cause it's like a double whammy, right? I'm working out and I'm meditating at the same time. Um, I think you should stretch before and after exercise. Um, a lot of people think that, you know, it's one or the other, right? Um, but I think you should always do both. Um, and yeah, stretch all major muscle groups and opposing muscle groups. That's a big one. I'll touch on that again. Um, the running example is perfect there. Like you have to stretch both to stretch properly, right? Like, so in my program, I will have people stretching their hamstrings and their quads in the same you know, routine, um, to make sure that they're strengthening both at the same time and they're not pushing and pulling on one too much. Um, and then, you know, I kind of touched on this before, but I'll drive it home again, like stretch gently and slowly only to the point of tension and breathe throughout the whole thing. Right. So, um, again, you want your body to relax. You don't want your body to be stressed out. So you have to take it slow. You have to take it patiently. I'm not a huge fan of using resistance bands to, you know, accentuate a stretch. I think gravity does the work for you. I think the only things you should use assistance for are to help you with your form. Um, cause form is extremely important as well. Right. So, um, I'll use the, 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 uh, you know, standing forward fold again as an example here. Right. Um, think about the superficial backline as a whole. Um, if you are reaching too far and your, um, form is poor, Right? You're going to have this kind of straightness in your legs, and then you're going to be like super, super curved on the rest of your body, right? And it's not going to really give your lower back the stretch that it needs. And it's also not going to uh, impact your hamstrings as much. You should keep your neck neutral in all exercise movements. This is what proper form is, right? It's like good posture, straight back, and a, and a neutral neck. And in that way, like, yeah, you might not be able to reach further than the guy next to you doing with proper form right away, but you're going to reap the benefits on the line. And then the last thing is, is it breathe, 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 right? Like we, what you're asking your body to do is you're putting it in a point of tension and you're asking it to relax, right? Which is kind of tough to do, right? If you stretch, you're not breathing, you're not thinking, your body's stressed and you're going to get even tenser while you stretch. So a lot of people hate stretching and they feel a lot of pain when they do it, but just like fight through that for a second and then breathe, right? Like I use a prana breathing method when I, um, when I stretch, I typically do, um, in for eight seconds, hold for eight seconds, out for eight seconds, all through the nose. And that is, uh, one of the more studied prana techniques that shows massive relaxation of the body. And when you do that, like try it, just try it, like humor me and try stretching for a little bit, right? Like try the standing forward fold and get to your point of tension, then close your eyes, right? Gauge where your hands are and close your eyes. Then for a minute, hold that stretch and do that exact prana breathing technique for a minute and then open your eyes. I promise you, you will literally feel your body opening up 
and allowing you to stretch further while your eyes are closed and you're doing that breathing. And you will open your eyes and you will be inches lower just a minute later than you were at the beginning. And it's because you're telling your body to chill, right? Like this is okay. You know, hamstrings, like this is all right. You can open up and let gravity take you. That's literally what you're asking your body to do. And when you, when you're, you know, grimacing and, and clenching while you're trying to stretch and you're pushing too hard, your body's just going to fight back and it's going to elicit a stress response and be like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. Um, so breathing is, is vitally important. Yeah. Just to kind of reemphasize the importance of that and how it works. Basically, um, your breathing communicates with your nervous system through the vagus nerve. And so whether you're breathing out through your mouth very rapidly, that's telling your body that you're in a sympathetic state, that you're stressed, that you need to get out of there. Whereas if you slow down your breathing, deep, breathe, deep, breathe deeply through the nose, um, then you're communicating through the vagus nerve that your body's in a parasympathetic state. It's relaxed. Um, and it's in a good state to where it can heal and focus on those things. What was the technique that you were talking about? Prana breathing. It's prana? yeah, it's, it's the act of, um, breathing in, holding and breathing out or the way I define it at least. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's commonly used in yoga. Is it kind of like the seven, seven, seven technique? Yeah. I just okay. use eight, eight, eight personally. Um, I also on harder movements, I typically lower it to five, 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 because I find it, it's like much harder to, uh, breathe in for only for, breathe in for the, the a duration of eight seconds. It's really hard to do if you try it in a, in a really difficult movement, but I'm, I'm, you know, so if you struggle with the eight, 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 go to five, 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 but try to work your way up to eight, 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 because that, in my opinion, it's going to, is going to elicit the most relaxation in the body. Yeah. There's actually an app that you can use for that as well. If you don't want to have to count in your head, it's called breathe. Um, mm -hmm. so that's beneficial if anybody wants to try that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll check that out too. I haven't heard of that, but, um, I want to make sure that before we sign off, I address the rest of your questions. Um, so I think you asked, uh, when, when to stretch, oh, excuse me. Um, when to stretch. So, uh, it really, um, you know, any time of the day, uh, that's a common question I get. Um, you know, as much as it, this is, this is what I'll say as much time of your day should be spent stretching as it should be lifting weights and working cardiovascular fitness, in my opinion. And that's going to sound like a lot of people, like the old adage of you should spend as much time doing studying after class as you do spend in class and nobody ever does it but <laughs> i'm assuming a lot of people will view that this that way as well but um i highly recommend spending as much time any time of the day really um stretching as you would weightlifting to weightlift for an hour stretch for an hour um that's going to be tough to swallow because hours in this day and age are very uh hard to come by but um you can do it while you're watching tv you can do it before bed while you're you know reading something or listening to an audio book like stretching has the you know capacity to be done really anywhere at any time and if you know what you're doing it can be really safe and healthy and a really beneficial way to use your time um if you're a competitive athlete um then i would add that stretching before and after exercise is uh very important and I'll reiterate that you must warm up before you stretch, before your exercise. It is not a warm up in yourself, in itself. Um, I think you asked for how long should you hold each stretch. I get that question all the time as well. Um, very common question. Definitely a hot topic for debate in the field. Um, but I, it, from what I've read um, and studied, the bare minimum um, that it, amount of time that it takes for a muscle to actually relax and give you any sort of benefit is 10 seconds. Um, that's, you know, easy to do. I, I highly recommend you do way more than that. Um, but, uh, I, I would place my personal bare minimum at 20 seconds, um, because, you know, you have to also mentally relax, um, to get there. And that takes a little longer. Um, the shortest hold that I personally recommend in my program is 30 seconds. And I typically like to personally hold my stretches for one to two minutes, sometimes even more, uh, um, so that I can get the added like meditative benefits. Um, there's uh, a lot of, some conflicting research on that that says that um, you don't get any benefit after 90 seconds. Um, 
from actually, you know, it's not possible to get any benefit, but, um, you know, I've, I've seen it personally. Um, and I think it's mostly because of the actual mental relaxation piece that spending about two minutes on each exercise is, is beneficial because you actually relax and it challenges your mind. Um, you can meditate during that. You can, you have enough time to breathe and it really gives your muscle itself at least 90 seconds of actual work. Right. That's what I recommend there. Um, I also get the question, how often do you stretch all the time? Um, it should be done once daily, uh, at least in my opinion. Um, it's, uh, you know, bare minimum three days a week, I think to maintain, uh, your current state of flexibility and mobility. Um, and that changes as you get better. Um, if you're an advanced stretcher, uh, you do yoga, you can do all these sort of contortion movements or whatever. You have to stretch five days a week at a bare minimum to maintain your level of fitness. Uh, I also get the, another common question I get is, uh, for how long should you stretch? Um, as I touched on before, I think you should in total stretch as long as you plan to do any, any other of the big three of fitness. Um, but, uh, you can, I would, if you're going to stretch any longer than 30 minutes, I would recommend splitting it into, uh, two 30 minute components or three. Um, and I would also recommend, uh, working a line at a time. So, uh, for example, the superficial back line, um, 30 minutes of just working that line, working your plantar fascia, your Achilles, your calves, your hamstrings, all the way up the back. Um, and then, you know, in another routine, you can, uh, same day, I would recommend doing the superficial front line to work those opposing muscle groups. Um, and the last question I get all the time is the sequence, the proper sequence for stretching. This is also hotly debated, but, um, the most common, and this is, this is what I'm talking about is like order of muscle groups to stretch. Um, where I've landed after all of my work is that you should start at the innermost muscle group. So closest to center and work your way to the appendages. So the way I, um, and that's, that's important because, um, the, the reason why I recommend that is because, um, if you work your appendages first, your appendages are inherently tied to your center, right? So if you work your appendages, um, without working your center, you will not get as much benefit, um, in your appendage exercises as you would working center. Um, so I typically start with, um, you know, like a, a torso stretch, chest stretch, twisting, something like that, anything around the hips of the pelvis. And then I typically work my way up first. So I go up to the occiput, work the scalp. Um, and the reason I choose this first, this direction first, is because what I touched on earlier that a lot of the lines meet in your occiput and your scalp. Um, so uh, loosening these before you move to your appendages is going to enhance the effectiveness of your appendage exercises. So if I was working at the superficial backline, for example, I would start uh, with spinal exercises, work my way up to the occiput, massage the scalp, and then return back around to the hips, work all the way down the back of the legs and finish with the plantar fascia. And for those of you listening, the occiput is right around the top of the neck, the bottom of the cranium. Yep. Yeah, and there are many different uh, suboccipital muscles that you should uh, try to isolate um, each one. Um, in Anatomy Trains, actually, I think he offers um, several exercises for uh, working each one of the suboccipital muscles, um, which, you know, you, I forget which one it was, but uh, I was stretching my suboccipitals one day, and I, you know, I was stretching, you know, people view the neck as one thing, right? And I was stretching, you know, different pieces of it. And then I kind of isolated one of them. And as soon as I isolated it, I felt just like this insane feeling of relaxation throughout my entire body. And I was sold at that point. I was like, this is awesome. Like um, isolating those suboccipital muscles and stretching is, is one of my favorite things to do. Heck yeah. Well, Rob, I appreciate you hopping on here today. Where can people find more of your work um, and kind of keep up with you? Yeah. So um, Umzu Fit. That is, that is really, uh, that's everything, right? So I'm, I'm the VP of growth here at IMSU. So my work is reflected throughout the entire brand. Um, and, uh, but my personal writing and work is almost all done inside of IMSU Fit. 
Um, so if you are interested in learning anything more about this, uh, my mobility program inside of Umsu Fit will be uh, released in January. Um, I will also, I'm also co-writing a program with Jayden uh, called Umsu Fit Mindset that should be out sometime in December, or very early January. Um, I've also written um, The Bodyweight Ladder, which is a, <laughs> ended up being a pretty epic, uh, it's like 500 page <laughs> novel basically on how to progress um, from, you know, zero in body weight all the way through um, doing some really amazing things. Uh, there are nine levels of that program, some yet to be released, but um, it'll take you from literally zero, not even be able to do a push up all the way through doing like straddle planche clapping push-ups is the last chest exercise. So just zero to a hundred million, you know, and, um, and it's a step-by-step process. I think that's one of my best works. Um, and then I also have, I, I wrote all of the body weight and weighted body weight routines and sections inside of them. So fat loss made, uh, recomposition and muscle building. Um, so if you're interested in, uh, learning anything more from me, uh, Go sign up for Umzu Fit and check all of those out. And then you can also talk to me personally on the platform. Um, that's one of the big benefits of Umzu Fit. Um, we can chat all day long if you want. Um, you can ask all your questions to me uh, that you want, and you can post an activity feed, and I can comment back. And that's me personally doing it. So um, if you want to talk, that's the place to do it. Heck yeah. Sweet. Brothers, you listen, make sure to check him out and talk to y'all next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to hit the like button, subscribe, and leave a comment down below if you want us to cover a different topic.